0: Haramai ki hodaki, he ote te A, fair. Come to hodaki, where the ote plant is undisturbed. Nomai Haramai, welcome to this podcast series Na Poito o te kupinga o Islands of the Hodaki Gulf. In this guest track from colleagues at Hui te ana tangaroa, the
1: Maritime Museum of New Zealand, we hear about their latest exhibition, Lightly Skimming Over the Surface. Kia ora my name is Jackie Knowles and I'm a curator at the New Zealand Maritime Museum, Hui te Ananui at Tangaroa. Our most recent exhibition is called Lightly Skimming Over the Surface, 150 Years of the Royal New Zealand Yacht Squadron. Because of the huge amount of history connected to a club of this vintage, we knew when we began researching that there was a lot we were going to have to leave out, both in terms of history and people too. So the content on display, as the title suggests, it's really just a snapshot. The exhibition is divided into several sections that includes the early history of the squadron, dress style, women, the Auckland Regatta, youth, wartime, and of course, America's Cup. Interestingly, with the 36th America's Cup event currently underway, there's still a lot of people who don't know about the connection between the Royal New Zealand Yacht Squadron and Emirates Team New Zealand. But one of the guides at the museum, Liz Gordon, is a self-confessed America's Cup fan, and she can explain it well.
0: Yes, and what a lot of people don't realize is that Team New Zealand is racing on behalf of the Royal New Zealand Yacht Squadron rather than New Zealand as a country. The America's Cup was first raced in Britain in 1851 and established as a perpetual challenge cup for friendly competition between foreign countries. I've become a big fan of the America's Cup since 2000 when I first moved to New Zealand, and it was on at that time. It's just, I'm not a sailor, but it really gets to me somehow, and looking, at being able to see it from North Head in Auckland, on Auckland waters, is just a wonderful experience.
1: In our research, papers past proved to be a real treasure trove, both in terms of providing information about events and also in reflecting changes in social norms such as attitudes towards women sailors. Some of the articles are very funny. Francis Walsh, the museum's researcher and writer, found this written in the Auckland star eighteen seventy two
0: To almost any man, there can surely be nothing more delightful than to take his place on board a yacht, surrounded by a cloud of muslin-enveloping angels in human form, and to see these lovely beings, like frightened doves, seeking confidence and gazing into his eagle eye, or resting for support on his manly bosom, while his big heart goes bump, bump, thump within.
1: In a more serious vein, the New Zealand Herald commented in 1935. Women folk naturally have been associated with the yachting in Auckland since the first pleasure craft sailed on the Waitemata. It was not until about 1912, however, that the feminine influence was tolerated on the cruising grounds, and even then exacting restrictions of boating etiquette were rigorously enforced. The War Years, nineteen fourteen to eighteen, when most of the personnel of the Pleasure Fleet were engaged with sterner things, framed the opening through which women established a now undisputed place in the yachting world. So that was in 1935, but although they had been allowed to sail and visit the club, it wasn't until 1975 that women could have full membership to the squadron. Nowadays there are a lot of women who are registered members and active in a range of squadron activities and sailing events. The squadron headquarters are down at Westhaven Marina, so the Waitamata and Hauraki Gulf are right on the doorstep so to speak. It struck me that there's a timeless quality shared by most anecdotes about sailing out on the Hauraki Gulf, the camaraderie between crews, exploration and adventures to be had, particularly during regattas. An earlier squadron commodore, from 1969 to 1971, was John Balmain Brook. This is an abridged quote of what he wrote for the squadron's centenary in 1971. The grandeur of sail rocket dawn, with the spires of Breamhead and Manaya on the northwest horizon, the silhouette of Cape Bret and Piercy Island at dusk, the quiet magnificence of Whangaraua's sheltered bays, these are just as moving, just as unspoilt, as they were in my youth. I am sure they have the same appeal to my sons as they have to me, and I hope my grandsons will feel the same. John's son, Robert, remembers that the family began cruising in the 1950s. Dad, Dad was cruising from a very early age with the Winstone family in the Ngātoua. And they went away virtually every weekend, either racing down to Tauranga or up to the Bay of Islands. And we kind of continued it when we had the Judith built in the 1950s. And we went away just about every holidays and so forth. And then further on to the Kiariki, the K-Class. And then we started to go away in our own boats after that. So, yes, we've been cruising the Gulf for a long, long time. Mm. My favourite photographs in the show are by Henry Winkleman, who was based in Auckland around the beginning of the 20th century. In addition to photographing scenes and buildings around the city, he documented a lot of sailing action, and even today his black and white photographs are strikingly dynamic. Winkleman sailed on the A-class Ariki a fair bit, and there's an album on loan from the squadron that contains photographs from various Ariki cruises. Many of the photos in the album would have been taken by Winkleman. The images capture the sailors both on the water and on shore too as they get up to hijinks. Areki is now berthed at the museum's marina on Hobson Wharf together with another yacht from the same era, Waitangi. More classic yachts and launches can be seen at the Heritage Landing in Wynyard Quarter. Thankfully many sailors and squadron members have an interest in boat restoration in keeping the classics on the water. We came across so many great stories. One character who kept cropping up was Lou Tursel and his yacht Ranger. Francis gives some insight into why he was so fascinating.
0: Yes, he was quite something. He was 93 when he died in 1990, and for much of his life, um, he had been a wharfie. He operated cranes on the Auckland wharves, And what he would do is, after work, he would study at the Lees Institute, the Working Man's Library in Ponsonby. And there he read American yachting magazines like the Rudder, and he annotated them in pencil, um, apparently. So in the late 1930s, he designed, built, and then began to race the A-class Yacht Ranger, Before Ranger came along and effectively cleaned up for 30 years, yachting was the preserve of the wealthy. But Lou and his brothers built Ranger in their Ponsonby backyard. And Ponsonby at the time, of course, was a working-class stronghold. He belonged to a couple of yacht clubs in Auckland, um, and the squadron admitted him, in 1938, coincidentally the year he launched the Dazzling Ranger. He would turn up at the Squadron um, HQ in his second World War military issue Bombay Bloomers, which were also paint splattered. One story goes that um, he once turned up at the entrance and was told to use the tradesman's entrance round the side, I guess. No doubt he gave as good as he got.
1: So that's just a quick intro. Thanks for listening. Come and visit the exhibition, we'd love to see you. The Maritime Museum is free to Aucklanders and the show runs until the end of May. Many thanks to Liz Gordon, Francis Welsh and Robert Brook.
0: You can visit the exhibition now Poitou Tkuping o Taramainuku, the islands of the Hodaki Gulf. Tamaki Pātaka Kōrero, the Central City Library from the 4th of March till the end of June 2021. If you'd like to hear more of what Auckland Libraries has to offer on our podcast platform, click follow to receive notifications when we publish new material. Hei kōna.